How cool is that? I love that. No confidence in yourself, more confidence in him. And um, that active posture of rest, where you come to the place, the end of yourself, where you realize you really don't bring anything to the party. And that's a bit of a shock to someone who thinks they bring something to the party. But in that moment, that transaction, that transition, where then all of a sudden you actually have something to bring to the party, because what you have is him. And you have an eternal substance that actually carries incredible weight and worth. And um, we're just going to continue uh, this morning on this whole reality. And I say a reality because it's to be a reality. You know, it's, the truth isn't to stay abstract, is it? The truth, the Bible says, Jesus said, will set you free. It will redirect you and send you on a path and have you receiving a reality that he died for us to experience. But there's one word that I would encourage you to meditate on is reality. The actualization of truth realized in you and through you. And you find yourself actually living out truth in a way that Christ said you would. There's a promise and a half. No longer just mere human surviving life. But the Bible says that the church is to be overcomers, overcoming the world and all its temptation, all its pressures, all its ways, overcoming the flesh, which is our humanity, and overcoming the adversary, the one that's sole mission is to keep you small. His whole agenda is to keep you contained in a box. And really live a life of nothingness where really you survive. And that's about it. And God wants to give us and he has given us his word, his spirit, one another, that we would overcome those things. And that we would be more than conquerors in Christ. Not in self, in Christ. And so God says, I've given the church everything she needs to be able to live this life out. I'm not a liar. I don't hang a carrot up and go, you can't attain it. You see words like be perfect, like my father's perfect. So perfection, maturity is possible in Christ. To say it's not is to speak against heaven, which one would need to hold that mindset, grab it and repent, which really just means have a brand new thought. So repentance means to have a brand new way of thinking about everything and anything that's not outside of his realm. It's not to come like a groveling little kid begging for forgiveness. He's already forgiven us. Repentance in its fullest form is the word metanoia, which is the Greek word, which means have a complete new way of thinking about something. Powerful. When my mind becomes like Christ's mind, and now my language is affirmed through the mindset I hold, so because my mind has changed, I am being transformed, because that's what the Bible says, so the renewing of my mind, I'm transformed, and I'm proving the will of God, which means I have become the evidence and the demonstration of God's will upon the earth. I become the signpost that says, if you want to look at something that see heaven, look at me. Not Greg Simnor, the Christ in me, the way I live, the demonstration of my life is a signpost of heaven. And that's how he wants you to live as well. Powerful stuff, isn't it? 
Now to him who is able to do, now to God who is able to do immeasurably more than you can even contain today, for it's a brand new day, and there are things that I want my church, but I'm able to do it, are you able to think it? God gives us a mind and it will either release life or contain life. Interesting, isn't it? So my mind in Christ has the ability, if I have the mind of Christ, to think things, dream things, realize things, receive things, live from those things. And yet if I live a life in my carnal mind, my human mind, I will always be boxed, restrained, limited, small, and my language will dictate my life. Oh, but, oh, but you don't understand, but you don't this and you don't that, and go, yeah, cool, but you know what? We've got to get broken out of that mold, because that's what it is, and released into a brand new mold that says all things are possible. I won't let my past continue to dictate my future and my present. I'm going to receive what you've said is possible and allow you through your power and your word to change the way I think so then my speech changes and as I say it, I come into an alignment with what is already written and my reality in my life matches your living word. What an invitation, not an obligation, but an invitation. Amen? And the great commandment is the key to the life I just professed. So we need to know what the commandment of heaven is and how we keep it. Because Jesus said, if you want to come into eternal life, keep my commandments. If you want to live a life that's not of earth, keep my commandments probably be the reason why he made it the most important thing in the book, yes? Well, when he was asked what the greatest thing was, he told us, wrote it in ink, that you would not miss it. So why do we? Why do we miss the most important thing and want to race off to going and doing stuff? Blindness, our own mindset. We don't have the ability to see what's written in the Scriptures. It's a common fault for mankind. It will always be because man will never see what's written until the Spirit of God enlightens man in what is written. And all of a sudden, like you've heard today through two people, the Scriptures start coming alive. Why? Because the Holy Spirit starts bringing the words to life. It's like He opens up the words. It's like the words become a door. And you open the door and you fall into them. All of a sudden you're like, man, this is a whole different realm. And it's like six words on a page. And for someone else, it's just like, yeah, whatever. And for you, are like, what do you mean, whatever, man? These words, this word is changing my life. It's like I fell into it and discovered. God's talking to me about becoming an archaeologist. He said, archaeologists, son, they go digging for stuff that's hidden. And when they find it, history is marked. People's futures change because they find something that's been hidden for years, thousands of years, and it's been unpacked, and now it's like new to man, but it's always been there. It's always been there. It's not new. I knew it was there, but no one else did. And as you fall into God, as you fall into Him, and you rest and you allow yourself just to get swept up and abide, all of a sudden, there's a whole new realm that opens up. 
but it's called the kingdom of God, and it's an invisible realm to the natural, but it's fully seen in the spiritual, and it can be received. And what we're going to look at today, once again, is going to challenge us and call us to a higher calling. It's going to propel you. It's going to have you look and go, I hope, wow, (laughs) not, but wow, really? Yes, Greg, you are invited to a realm. And if you can think it and if you can allow it to shape you and receive it and accept it and believe it through my power and through what is spoken, for they did not hear what they, they did not profit faith with what they heard, so they never entered into Hebrews 3 and 4. This is where you see faith and belief. You've got to grasp what you hear and go, yes, even if you don't yet haven't received the revelation of it, go, yes, I'm going to trust in what I heard, not in what I think right now. And when you do that, if you do that, there's a way that seems right to you, death comes right at that point. You've just cut and ruled off something that could be very God for you. And you go, why am I not in this life? It's amazing. If you wish to enter into life, keep the commandments. I'm going to read you just a passage from this cool book that I picked up called Bird's Eye View. (laughs) Page 47, chapter 4. It's called The Indestructible Life. Who's read it? Who's read the chapter and gone, you what? (laughs) Are you kidding? Nah. More than this physical life is how it starts. Jesus taught his disciples and anyone who would listen that life is more than food and the body more than clothing. He taught them not to worry about their lives as to what they will eat or what they will drink or what they will wear. Are you serious, Jesus? How can life be more than the basic commodities that every human being needs to survive? Food, water, and clothing. If we don't have these things, we will die. But here Jesus is saying not to worry about these things. Matthew 6, 25. For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life as to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? What is this life that Jesus speaks of that is more than food and clothing? And where do you find this life? What is this life that is more than the physical? What is this life that is more than the physical necessities to life on earth? This is what this chapter is dedicated to, to describe the life that Jesus came to birth, form, and establish in his church. Jesus came to make it possible for all his people to come into and live from an indestructible life in him. Jesus came to make this way possible by the death and resurrection of his life, and the Holy Spirit has been given the role of continuing this process by leading us, the church, into truth. I suggest that this is the major reason why Jesus said, it is better for you if I go. John 1, 4 says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. In Christ was life, and Christ's life is the light of men. What did Amanda say? Christ in you, the hope of glory is a revelation God is starting to unfold. It's not just abstract, it's a reality. The formation of Jesus Christ in my vessel is the hope of glory. I have a hope 
not in stuff, in Jesus. And that hope shines for all to see. So when everyone else's hope is perishing because they've put it in perishable things, and I've put my hope in the Christ, and my hope is Christ, then it stands because the foundation is Christ, and you can't rock the foundation. So it's not a puff pastry foundation like last week, it's a rock concrete sandwich that's imperitable. Yeah? Just want to say hi to Mark and Kathleen. Awesome to have you guys here from the States. It's cool. Visiting, back, visiting, temporary, awesome, cool. Did we capture this truth? Is Jesus and Jesus alone, is there in Jesus and Jesus alone, is there a life and his life is to be a light within us? We will only be the light of the world to the revealed measure of Christ that lives within us. There is no life outside of Christ. Everything outside of Christ is temporal and futile and is perishing. David said in Psalms 51, 6, Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being, and in the hidden part you will make me know wisdom. Jesus is the wisdom of God, yes? Truth is Jesus Christ, yes? So the more truth I have, Jesus, the more wisdom I have, Jesus, in me. Do you think that's going to come out of you? Do you think that's to build a life upon? A foundation called Jesus Christ, the creator of the universe, in you, is what you would live from. See, it's a message that's unknown to most Christians. It's a message that is yet to be tapped into by many in the body of Christ. For many only know the presence outside of themselves, not the indwelling presence. It's like what God does to me, but not in me and through me. It's like he's out here somewhere. And I feel him, and I experience him, and he comes in a meeting, and he touches, and it's beautiful, and it's amazing, but it's only half the picture. Jesus said, my church is the temple of my Holy Spirit. My church is to be the vessel that carries heaven. The kingdom of God is to be built and formed and established in my church. That's what Kirk was saying, not in a building, in the mindset and the heartbeat of my people. And I want to come and reside. My presence wants to be forming and shaping in you. Why? So then you can keep my commandment of loving me like heaven loves. See, it's fully possible for you and I to love like heaven. If it's not, he's a liar and I have to rip out the scriptures. Anybody want to do that? You want to add to them? Not a good thought either. So we're going to look at 1 John again. So let's go there, 1 John 2. And I, even if you just read these literally, there is a reality that is being prophesied. John's in it. It's being prophesied. You know what I love about Jesus? He gives you the outcome. So he tells you what it's going to look like so you know whether you're on the right track. He's constantly telling his disciples what's going to happen. You're aware of that? He's constantly foretelling the future, which means he's constantly prophesying. Every word is to be a prophetic word. So right now you're receiving prophecy. Every time we preach, it's prophetic. So people say, I want a prophetic word. You're getting one every week. (laughs) You can even miss that because you're waiting for the prophet to come with a word that's for you personally. Well, this is happening right now. So the apostolic is speaking a prophetic word for you personally. The teacher, the pastor, the evangelist, 
the people with other gifts just spoke a prophetic word. So Amanda and Ollie just spoke a prophetic word to you. They just declared a prophetic reality that they are realizing coming into that you maybe are or still too come into. So then the challenge is, what am I going to do with that? Because I just heard something that God wants me to, what, be an archaeologist and go looking for. Okay? It's exciting, eh? Man, everything in him is exciting. So God gives us the outcome. And, yeah, I haven't been able to get off this and fully get it out for weeks. So I'm going to read this bit really fast. 1 John 2. We looked at this two weeks ago, so go get these two for context. This is in verse 3. By this, we know that we have come to know him if we keep his commandments. We looked at that. I sent you out an email of what I believe keeping the commandments looks like from the Bible. So it's my biblical conviction of what keeping the commandments looks like and the work it produces. The one who says, I have come to know him and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Okay, we talked about you can be covered by the truth, but the truth isn't necessarily being formed within you. So you still live from you. You still live from your mindset, your will, your emotions. Because the truth, Jesus has been sent as a spirit, a deposit in you, but really your soul still rules your life. Your mind, your will, your emotions still dictate the choices and the decisions you make, so you quench the Holy Spirit. Okay? If you quench the Spirit, you will live from the flesh. So you need to let the Spirit reign in your life, walk and live from the Spirit, so the Spirit life comes out of you. Does that make sense? Okay, so what he's saying is if you can, you can say, the one who says, the one who really, what it's saying is, gives me lip service. You profess a reality, but you can't live it out. And he's not saying you intentionally know you're doing this. You're actually caught in a state of blindness, and you think, you think. But he tells you that you know if you're in me because you'll keep my commandments. And the first one is to love like heaven. So this is how you know. So he's clearly, clearly giving you a goal, a picture of what it looks like from his perspective, not yours. See, what we do all the time is we take the truth and we create our outcome. We create what we think it's going to look like, and it's, no, no, that's wrong. It's what I say it looks like. He doesn't give you this to hurt you, to punish you. He gives it to you to show you whether you're in this fuller picture. So he says, my truth is covering you. What for? To give you the opportunity to come into the fullness of truth. For if his grace is not covering us, we're in trouble, isn't it? So if His grace doesn't cover, that's what love does. It covers, doesn't it? It covers people. Love covers a multitude of sin. It's able to cover because it can. It can cover someone else's stuff for the purpose of restoration. Tracking so far. So there is a definitive outcome that God gives you in His words. And you need eyes to see it because although it can be written, you can miss it. Yeah? Okay, so then he says this in verse 5. This is where it gets so exciting because this is what is fully possible in God. But whoever keeps his word, say his word, in him, say in him, the love of God has truly been perfected. Message finished. 
There you go. I could end it there. Should we read it again? Whoever keeps God's word in that person, the love of God, heaven, has truly been perfected. So the question, Greg, I ask myself is, what on earth does it mean to keep his word? Because it seems to be the key. He's saying, if you keep me, he is the word. If you know me and are keeping me and are abiding in me, then the outcome of that is the love of heaven is perfected in you. So what does it mean to keep the word? Because I can think I keep it by just reading it. I can think I keep it by doing something. And yet the goal is not that. The goal is, is the love of God perfected in me? Because if the love of God is perfected in me, then I must be keeping his word. So if the love of God is not perfecting in me, then I'm not keeping his word. It's simple. I'm a simple guy. It's written in simple English, and that's what it's saying. Would you agree with me? So then there's an opportunity we have, yes? There's an opportunity to keep his word so that as sons of heaven, as Jesus was, I can live like Jesus, yes? It's fully possible for a mere mortal who is empowered with the word of God to live like God, yes? And be the demonstration of God on the earth, yes? Does it get any better than that? Do you want to be completely set free to live like Jesus Christ? Do you want to have a posture in you where no offense can get in your heart? Do you want to know the fullness of what God can do in and through you so literally you experience Christ-like life? Unbelievable promise from heaven. But we have to go after that if we want to that word be materialized and we live it out. Yes, you can't just get it in a wheat bix packet. It doesn't just come and go, well, zap me completely so I don't have to do anything. No, it requires, like you've heard today, a letting go of ourselves. And with two hands, not one hand, Chris, this is two weeks ago, three weeks ago, not one hand on God and one hand on me. There's no bargaining with God. We do it all the time. I do it. Oh, if you do this, I'll do this. That's not a good deal, Greg. Yeah, I think it is, Lord. No, no, no. That's a really sucky deal, actually. It's, it's a letting go. And it's a turning. It's repentance. It's turning. It's having a complete different way of thinking about something now and moving towards. If you keep my word, God has truly perfected his love in you. By this, we know that we are in him. I know he's in us. Am I in him? It's a two-way relationship. It's not one way. Every relationship is two-way or it is not a relationship. It is one person sucking the life out of one other, getting what they want from that person. That is not love. That is lust. So our relationship with God is always two-way and he is looking for a reciprocate behavior. Hence, he gives us the great commandment of loving him while he loves us. It's easy to take, what about give? And he says, I know you can't give in your own ability, so I'm going to fill you with my word so you can love me back the way I write. (laughs) 
Allow yourself to ponder that for 10 seconds. It's a full life, isn't it? I only gave you about one. This gets me excited. People say Christianity's boring. I go, you don't know the one of Christianity if it's boring. You haven't been captivated yet by Jesus. You haven't tasted and seen. Man, life is boring without Jesus. It's futile. It's empty. It's dead. I'm eating crap, thinking I'm eating life, going, this is great, and it's taking me to destruction. The only life that matters is the one in Christ. If he's not defining life, it's boring. And we are the people of Christ, yes? So our lives are to be so on fire, and we are to be the fireball that the world look to, not because we're inviting them here, because we're going to them. Look at this life, man. I found the pearl. I found the Christ. I found love. I found the source of love. Not that adulterated love. Not that lustful love. I found love. Man, when I found love in 97, I found love. I was looking for it everywhere and I found crap, but I found love. Love will just have you leaving everything because he tastes so good. And there's a promise, if you keep my word, then heaven is perfected in you. So what does it mean to keep his word? How do we know if we're keeping his word? A couple of things. As markers. What does it mean to keep his word? It's to have his word formed in us through the eating and drinking of Christ. Now, a whole lot of people got upset when he said them to eat his flesh and drink his blood, didn't they? Do you know why? Why'd they get upset? Say that again, mate. It offended their minds. That was completely opposite. That was, we don't drink blood, we're under the law. We don't drink blood, we don't eat flesh. That's not what we do as Israelites. The Jews, we don't do that because we've been given a law. But what did Jesus say? He said, I'm not even talking about that. Can you see, if you can't hear what's truly being said, you go somewhere where you shouldn't have gone. And then you live from that reality thinking it's the truth. He's not even talking about that stuff. He's talking about literally partaking of the bread of life because the miracle has just happened. And he's saying, what are you, I'm talking about I'm the bread, I'm the food source of life. I'm the only one that's worthy to be eaten and drunk. If you eat and drink of me, you'll have life in you. If you don't eat and drink of me, there's no life in you. That's what he's about to tell these people. But they get so offended because they have a definitive mindset that is so ingrained. And yet it was a brand new day when Jesus turned up. So if that had been gone back in the years, sure, absolutely, that would be breaking the law. But now we're talking about something completely different. See how you've got to be continually having your mind renewed? Otherwise, you're still trying to find life in an old wineskin. And he said, I can't pour new wine into an old wineskin because that's not love. Because if I pour that wine into your skin, you're going to burst. And I came to bring you life, not destroy you. So I'm going to hold back until you get frustrated or disillusioned or till you let go of your wineskin. And then I'll pour wine in for the benefit of you because 
like any good parent, if I give you that, it's going to destroy you. But you can fight with me because you think you're right. I wouldn't advise going to war with the Lord. (laughs) He loves us so much, eh? So here's this tension that's happening. And Jesus says this, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in yourselves. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has, there's that word again, eternal life. Not just eternity, an eternal life now. A life of eternal substance. Do you think that the love of God being perfected in you is eternal? Is that an eternal life, what he's talking about? Yes. So the eternal life is the life of Christ in the church now. Because love, joy, peace are eternal. They're not temple. They're not of the earth. They have nothing to do with the earth. They are of the substance of heaven. Thy kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. So if you want this life, he says, you have to eat me and drink of me. What did he say to the woman at the well? You don't ask me for living water because you don't know the one of the living water. See, when you don't know what's available, you're not asking. The hardest thing for you and I to believe in is something we don't have a reference point for. When someone comes and starts speaking of a reference that you don't know, it's like, hmm. Don't we all do that? Let me check that by my radar to see if that actually matches with my understanding. Eh, Wrong thing to do right there because you're never going to understand something you don't have a renewed position on. Never. So what you have to do is go like this. "Mm, That's interesting. I haven't heard that before. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's a whole lot of rubbish. But I'm going to go to the one and the one who said it and maybe walk with them, especially the eternal one, and ask them to reveal if that is the truth. And if it is, and your heart's hungry, you'll find out whether it is or not. But if you write it off as soon as you hear it, what if it is true? This is what's happening right here. They've written it off. He says, my words are spirit and life. The flesh profits nothing. He said, this confuses you? What if I was to ascend into heaven right before you? (laughs) What if I did that, man? This messes you up. This is really going to mess you up. This is really going to rattle your cage. Your brain should hurt a little bit when it comes to truth. Your brain should be like, feel like it's popping out of your head a little bit. Like, yes, the Bible says Jesus had to open the mind of his disciples that would understand the scriptures. If God's not opening our minds, we can't understand. He said, and that's in Luke 24 to the, the, the guys on the road to Emmaus. He says he had to open up their minds. Oh, sorry, it's in no, Luke 24. It's one of those things, but it's in Luke 24. <laughs> so you open their minds to understand his word. And when that happened, bingo. So he goes on, he says this, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life and I will raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. What did I just read from my book? Why do you live for clothing and food and what about the life Jesus has given life to what true food is isn't it it's me you're not eating of me you you're not going to be in life you're not drinking of me you're finding another food source 
you're going to have the fruit of that food source. I still love you, and I'm still covering you, but there's a but. You won't be in the life. For my flesh is true food, my blood is true drink. He who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me, and I in him. That's that interesting word, abides. As the living Father sent me, and I uh, live, and I live because of the Father. So he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. So what does it mean to keep his word? It literally means to eat and drink of Christ continuously. He is the food we continuously eat. How many meals do you have a day on average? Three. Is that an average? Mine's about five. Okay? Because I snack because of the training that I do. You know what he said to me? You have five meals a day to keep your physical food going. How many times are you snacking eating of me? So the average person's three meals a day to keep your physical body going. What happens if you take that food away? What's really going to here? You're going to be hungry. And if you don't feed it, what's going to happen? There are people starving to death on other countries. Why? Because there's no food, yeah? So if you can't feed this physical body with food, you're going to die. What about in the spirit? You're not eating and drinking, you're spiritually dead. He's covering you, but you will spiritually be dead. You'll have nothing to bring. His love, because He loves you so much, is covering in the hope that you will turn from the food source you're partaking of and start partaking of the life of Christ. That's what grace is. It covers and it empowers that you be able to partake of a new food source. Why? So then you can experience this life. He will be glorified and there'll be a body on earth that actually where the love of God is perfected in her. All for the benefit of who? God, us, and a lost world. It's the win, win, win scenario. God is glorified. Number one. The church comes into the life that she was called to come into and know. Number two, she's been set free. She has the substance of heaven in her. And a lost world look and go, I see God. Through the very vehicle God has put on the earth called the church. Not a building, not an institution, not a business. The people of God. Unbelievable. What a plan. We just need to surrender to it. So the second, what does it mean to keep his word? To be the demonstration of the truth through our lives. Faith works led by the Spirit. So what does it mean to keep it? It means firstly, to have it formed within you. Secondly, it means to have that word coming out of you through works. Yes? So there are works prepared by God for us to accomplish. Spirit-led works, not fleshly works. They're going to be burnt up at a judgment seat. Works of heaven. So he gives us one of those works. He says in 1 John 3, 6, to love one another and lay your life down for one another. So that one of the first works he says to the church to do is to love one another. So what does it mean to keep the commandments? It's to love one another. 
well, how do I do that? Well, you've keeping my word, so you can, because my word is in you, which means you're able to love one another with the love of heaven. <clears throat> it's only hard if we're not keeping the word. It's only hard if you're not eating the word. It's only hard if we're not consumed in the word. See, that's when it becomes hard, because I don't have the capacity to live it out. I'm found short when Chris's behavior I don't deem worthy of loving on. See, it annoys me. And I can't cover, love can't cover, what? A multitude of a lack of faith, basically, and a lack of maturity. Love can't cover it, so it's actually in opposition to it. So now me and a brother are in opposition and not actually one because either one of us don't have the capacity to love on the offense. The offense causes offense, which then causes offense, and offense goes to and fro. And we end up punching each other out. It might even get physical. Or what it does is this, oh, I'm out of here, Jack. See you later. And the body of Christ just lost one, an elder and an arm. All because I didn't have the capacity or he didn't have the capacity to love on because we weren't in the word. But if we're both in the word or one of us is in the word, then when the offense comes, if Chris is in the word, then love covers the offense. Isn't that what the Bible says? I'm only preaching truth, aren't I? It can cover beautiful, isn't it? Isn't that what God's doing for you and me? He's covering us while we're whinging, moaning about stuff. Come on, man. I've called you for more than whinging, moaning. I've called you for a full life. And if you're in the Word and keeping the Word, guess what? The love of heaven is perfected in you. And if the love of heaven is perfected in you, you'll walk in the manner in which I walked. And it's the absolute statement of truth for the church. I'm tired of shows. I'm tired of lights. I'm tired of this plasticated, puffed up, pastry, flowered thing that we do really well and we pump it out. And there is a realm and a reality through the process of surrender that can be known and realized. And then we'll have the substance of heaven in us coming through us, and we will literally be the demonstration of Jesus on the earth. That is the vision worth living for. That's a vision, because it's outside of my ability to obtain it. Anything you can achieve inside you is not a vision from heaven. It's a vision of man. Do you understand that? If your vision is you can do it in you, it ain't a vision of heaven. It's the vision of yourself. Every vision of God is outside my ability as man to attain it. That's how I know it's of God. It's bigger than me. It's outside of my capacity. It requires God to come and actually empower it and infuse it and help it become a reality. Do you know why? Do you know why? So when it happens, I don't take the glory for it. I can't stand there and go, who, look at that. I built the church. That's because of my ministry. No, it's his ministry. I'm just a guy he's using and he wants to use you to see his ministry established on the earth. Too many leaders go, bless my ministry. God's going, bless my ministry. It's my ministry, not yours. You don't even exist unless I created you for myself. <laughs> We've got to get the right way round. And if we get the right way round, life comes. And then there's this capacity. That's a good word, eh? a capacity that's forever enlarging because in God, his capacity was limitless, yeah? 
And so there's an ability to keep the word through the demonstration. You show me your faith, I show you my deeds, but the deeds don't come from human flesh. The deeds he's talking about come out of faith, the realm of God, the invisible realm, the realm that man cannot accomplish on his own. You understand what I'm saying? So the deeds that we do have to come from faith. Abraham was a man of faith, and the works that were made righteous that qualified him faith came from faith. What's faith, Greg? It's the ability to see the unseen and receive it. It's massive. Go kill your boy. Whoa. What? Go sacrifice your boy. Oh, no, 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 no. Hold on. No, he said yes. Why? Because he knew God could raise him up. He had faith. He saw the future. That's where the works come from. Because if we keep the word, then out of the word will come works that are gold, precious stone, and silver. So at that judgment seat, they're not built on wood, hay. So if I'm doing things in my own ability, they're woodworks, they're hay works, they're straw works. And Danny spoke this beautifully. And when the fire of God goes through that for my reward and my judgment, because I kept the word, I lived the word, I was a demonstration of the word, and we were as a church. Then when God's purity fire goes through it, it'll burn up all that was of me, my flesh, and what standing will be ex- will we receive. So if those works are gold, precious stones, silver, he goes, well done. Here you go. We're going back and you're going to reign with me. And it's an authority position, maybe over a country, maybe over some cities, maybe over it's a community, but you're returning with me to establish my literal kingdom on the earth. Because of the way you lived here. Why? Because you kept my word. You kept my commandments. And because you kept my commandments, you fulfilled my commandments the way I intended. Not your version of my commandments. My version of my commandments. What did Jesus say? What did Paul say in Galatians? He said, if you love your neighbor as yourself, you have fulfilled the whole law. He loves to simplify everything for us, and we love to complicate it. He takes the complicated, the profound, because he knows he's profoundly deep, and he brings it into this measure to help us, and then we go and complicate it. I knew I wasn't going to get through all of it. But I think I have. Yeah. I reckon that's enough. I just, how do we know if we are keeping his word? The love of God, 1 Corinthians 13 love, is perfected within us. This enables and empowers us to keep the commandments the way God declares. 1 Corinthians 13, love. Love is, what's the first one? Love is patient. That's interesting, isn't it? Do you think God's patient? 
He is the long-suffering God. He suffers long. Do you know if love is being perfected in you, you will suffer long. You'll have a patience like God. So you won't be praying for patience. You'll be in love and you'll be patient. Why? Because you've kept the word. See, we keep praying for stuff, never finding it because our prayers are aligned to the wrong thing. Our pursuit is not attached to the right way. If you have love, you're patient. If you have love, you have joy. We, we keep saying stuff like, I, I lost it. No, you didn't lose it. You, you may not have ever had it. Because Jesus says in John, you can't lose my joy. So Jesus tells you, you can't lose something I give you. That's why he said, I haven't lost any of the ones that you've given me, Father. It's probably a counterfeit version of what you thought was joy. It's probably happiness. And what happens is when life is going good, I'm happy. <laughs> so everything's good. So I don't realize there's something not yet formed because I'm happy because life is good. But then all of a sudden, life takes a turn, isn't it? You go to bed on one night, and everything's great, and in the morning, something happens, and bang, it's on. Could be in your marriage, could be with your kids, could be with a workmate, but all of a sudden, your happiness that you went to bed with has gone, and now hangry man is out. What happened to the joy? I lost it. No, joy of its being formed steps up when circumstance, situations comes, because its Bible says, greater is in me than what's coming in the world at me. I've overcome the flesh, the world, the enemy. Why? Because I've keep, and I'm keeping the word. So I have a peace that actually is my armor that stands up when it's attacked. There's so many things we need to relearn in the church. The armor of God is one of them. You put on your helmet, you put on your this, you put on your that, and you trip over a stumble and it's all on. What happened to your armor? Oh, well, it fell off when I went to give that guy the that in the car, you know? <laughs> it wasn't attached very well, was it? No, because it was sort of external of me and not internal of me. Christ in me is the armor of God. Being formed as I keep the word so I don't have to think about scriptures. The scripture's in me. I'm not scrambling for scriptures when the enemy turns up going, oh man, I better, what did it say in Luke 4? Luke 4, 70 comes out of me. Why? Because I've kept the word. The word is living, active. It's sharper than a double-edged sword and it's in me. Why? Because I'm keeping the commandments. Mm. All those things is a, it's okay to look at that and go, wow, man, that's a tall order. Go, yep, and I'm going to work with you as a body and as individuals to see that fulfilled. I'm going to do the work as you actively rest and surrender. Philippians 2.13, the perfect work of God established in the heart of the church. Love it. All through keeping the commandments. That's not discovered in keeping the commission. It ain't discovered in reaching lost people. It's not discovered in figuring out what your gift is. I want to prophesy. I want my own ministry. I, I, I. That's not discovered. That life is not discovered in those things. 
those things get empowered by what I'm talking about. You never get in trouble if you start on step one. You're only in trouble if you start on step two, three, four. Because you haven't started in the right place. And sometimes God's got to get you back to the start to get you going forward. And it's not going backwards, it's going forwards. Because you started on the wrong false start. Maybe you didn't know. Maybe you were taught incorrectly. Maybe you just had your mind and you thought it was right. But there's a but and it's empty and Christianity is not full and I want it to be and okay well then it's okay because remember God's loving he's loving he's covering he's loving and he sees us all he's got time and patience for us all but we have to play a part we have to play the part and partner with God in the work of God and then God promises you a reality and that's exactly what he's been doing here for eight years now so if you are new He's building his church the way he intends it to be built. It gets a bit messy, gets a bit ugly, but that's okay. That's okay because love covers. My home's a bit messy, gets a bit ugly. We have interesting discussions, behavior patterns, and that's just me. (laughs) Then there's Layla, the dog, and of course my wife's perfect and my kids, well, they're on a work. But that's okay because love covers and love empowers and love edifies and love believes all things, doesn't it? It endures all things. It hopes all things. It speaks life. Come on, let's be all we can be and no longer who we were, but let's who we're becoming. So Father, I thank you for today. I thank you for our amazing family here. I thank you, God, for the bravery of still being here with what you're saying because it's full and it's powerful, but it's possible in you. And we declare all things are possible in you, God. And I thank you as we posture and position ourselves to receive and keep your word through the commandment of heaven that this work will be done as we've heard it's being done today in two people, three people and more people. And Father, we are receiving this eternal life now. And it's defining us for now, tomorrow, and the future for the purpose and plans you have for the church. So I thank you, God. I pray that you would continue to just encourage us and that we would seek and that we would become archaeologists that go digging for gold. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.